0: So the important thing in step one is the qualification: Can you stop when you start, and can you stop starting? If if the answer is no to both of those things, powerlessness then is the only issue for you. It's the only issue. You either are you aren't. You will not do ninth step amends if you're not powerless. Hear me what I'm saying. Your inventory will be slight if you're not powerless. You will not carry this message to other alcoholics if you're not powerless. You won't.
1: Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. Howdy, howdy. From Studio A, deep in the heart of Texas, that was the voice of Mr. Marty C that you heard at the beginning of this here episode number 238 of Sober Speak. And you're going to hear so much more from him in just a moment. But first things first, this episode right here, right now, is being brought to you by Steve and Parker and Marie and Michelle. So you're asking yourself, what exactly did Steve and Parker and Marie and Michelle do. To get such a notoriety on the pod here, John. Well, let me tell you. They went to our website, soberspeak.com. They clicked on the little yellow donate tab. And they made a contribution. And I really appreciated Steve and Parker and Marie and Michelle helping us to keep the virtual lights on. This episode is coming right out to Ewan's eye. John M., just another bozo on the bus, will indeed be the chairperson for this meeting between meetings, and I am truly honored and privileged to serve all of you listening in today, tonight, whenever, whenever you're listening. So take a seat, if you will, around this virtual table, and let's get started. If... You are not in our super secret Facebook group, the Sober Speak group, the Sober Speak secret group. Well, I would encourage you to go to your Facebook application and search for Sober Speak secret group and ask for admission and the bar is very low, we will get you in there. And if you are not Following us on Instagram. We are at SoberSpeak, all one word. Head on over there, see all the goodness that we have, and we'll look forward to uh, sharing all that with you. Now, when I say we, in this case, it is literally we. The lovely Miss Cassandra puts out, fantastic posts all the time three four times a week they're absolutely fantastic uh, uh some of it has to do with the podcast some of it is just kind of random spiritual stuff that she finds and uh, she does a great job with that now keep in mind this though even though Cassandra is posting all of those uh posts <laughs> getting all those posts out there I ma and the one monitoring the DMs. So if you happen to DM in Instagram, um, I will read that, respond accordingly, and I'd love to hear from any of you. All right, so this week I want to start it out with a little piece of listener feedback that I got via email this week. It was just, I don't know, it just really touched me. And Stephanie writes in, she says, Hello, John M. It's Stephanie S. she says so I wrote in a couple of months ago to share a little bit about myself I was a few weeks sober after a long relapse and looking for a way to get back into the rooms anyway you wrote back to me and indicated you you would be reading my response on your podcast. I was so moved by your openness and support that I went to my first AA meeting the week you said my response would be, would be read on the air. I went to my first women's meeting on Saturday, the day after the podcast the podcast episode came out. It was a quote true miracle unquote what happened at the meeting. Not only was it an amazing meeting with the most loving and caring and inspirational women I had ever met, but at the end of the meeting, a woman came up to me and asked me if I was Stephanie S. I said, yes. And she said that she was Nicole and that she listens to the Sober Speak podcast. It was God speaking to me that I had made the right decision. Oh, A week later, I gave her my phone number and she is now my sponsor. She is helping me through the third step. At the moment, uh, I am 70 days sober and I go out about three or four meetings a week on top of the meeting with her weekly. My life has completely changed because I started listening to your amazing podcast. I just thought I would give you a little update and thank you again for your inspiration in your weekly work. Thanks again. God is great. Stephanie S. Well, Stephanie, that just blew my mind. Um, and I, I think I remember, I think if I remember correctly, Stephanie, Stephanie you're from Georgia and i'm sure i read the 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 basic location of where you're located and nicole heard that and that just blows my mind that is so so cool and i'm so glad you are on the right path, as they say, uh, 70 days plus sober by the time you hear this uh, um, again, and uh, God bless you. And Nicole, if you're listening out there, God bless you for taking and taking Stephanie under your wing, and uh, uh, be well to both of you. All right, now on to a little bit of uh, episode-ish stuff with Marty C., Marty C., we are calling this Step 1 of Alcoholics Anonymous. Marty is from the Great White North, and I do mean Canada. We started to address Steps 1, 2, and 3 in this ep, but we ended up diving into Step 1. We talk about—and just not getting past that. So we talk about powerlessness. We talk about Marty's two questions that he asks— Every sponsee to help them qualify themselves. By the way, I think about this every once in a while when I say the word sponsee. Sponsee, I do not believe, is a real world. Not a real world, a real world word in other words i i don't know is it in the dictionary is it not i haven't looked it up but i have never heard the term sponsee outside of an alcoholics anonymous room or Al-Anon or whatever the case may be any 12 step room uh i think it's a uh, unique to us but nonetheless i digress also with marty we talk about the concept oh he he laid this out here he said uh thinking so so you want to be thinking of thinking alcoholism has you versus you having alcoholism and, and how you process that thought and we'll talk about it during the episode he talks about a uh, manageability the doctor's opinion and so much more as we always do with marty ladies and gents without further ado I present to you Mr. Marty C, and we will have plenty of listener feedback at the end of this episode. Enjoy Marty C in step one. Okay, everybody. So we are back again. With the wonderful Mr. Marty C. If you haven't caught his first two episodes, go back and listen to Marty C. You will want to. He does a fantastic job, and I want to get him back on here on the program and talk about some of the steps, and who knows where we'll go. But first things first, Marty, uh, well, go ahead, introduce yourself, give your sobriety date if you choose, and uh, let people know where you are sitting in this uh, great land of ours.
0: Well, John, thanks so much for having me back here. Uh, this is always fun, and you—you you are such wonderful energy. You inspire me, and I'm—I'm I'm thinking probably countless others. Thanks for having me. My name is Marty Cosgrove. I'm an alcoholic, and I'm a member of the Prince George Group in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Uh, my dry date is July the sixteenth, nineteen eighty-seven. Certainly, by no—no—no uh, no, no accordance of mine. I never planned to stop that. <laughs> just, that's my date. When I look back, that's my date. And uh, I've had a love affair with Alcoholics Anonymous from that day to this. And uh, for some strange, weird reason, in 34 years, it just keeps getting stronger. And uh, I'm glad to be able to do stuff like this. So I'm coming at you out of my basement in, uh, in Hamilton, uh, where it's a beautiful minus, I think, 19 degrees. And uh, it, that's Celsius. I don't know what that is, Fahrenheit. I think it's about... I don't know how much 42 million Fahrenheit blows. <laughs> <Something like that. laughs>
1: right. And so I wanted to address that because uh, people can't see you. And obviously we're not going to, you know, out of respect for the traditions and stuff, not uh release your image and such, but you have a, a shirt, uh, you have a sleeveless shirt on and, <laughs> <laughs> and this is the dead of the winter. Yeah. Uh, 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 <laughs> You're usually dressed like that.
0: Well, uh, on a Saturday, um, I'm actually just getting ready to put on a uh, what you would consider a survival suit to go out and play hockey with my grandson on the rink beside my house, in just as soon as we're done. Oh. And so I'm already dressed and prepared for that. So I just have some like a thin layer of clothes on to wear underneath. Now, my fireplace is raging and it's beautiful in the home here. And if you'd asked me at any point in midsummer about, how do you, what not the weather beautiful? I tell you, I hate humidity. 20 below and two feet of snow is how I love to exist. And that's exactly what we got right now. We got a couple of feet of beautiful, crisp white snow out there. It's clear blue sky. All the roads are clear. And it's beautiful, cool air. And that's ah, wonderful. It just makes me feel vibrant.
1: I love it. So have you ever, uh, you know who like Wim Hof is and all that? Uh, cold showers and, and stuff like that. And people, oh, have that. you ever, do you participate in that?
0: You well, know, the Polar dip, Well, I, I don't know how often this is, but as a young guy in prison, cold showers weren't unusual. <laughs> I had to wait till everybody else was done. You know, so so I, I found them invigorating. Year so years later, it wasn't unusual for me to participate in that practice. I love cool, fresh water. I don't, you know, 50 degrees, 55 degrees is still swimmable to me. I, I love that. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's Canadian. You know, just be
1: Canadian. Yeah. And, and, you know, part of what I still remember this uh, from, one of our previous two episodes, and you talked about you—you know—you just mentioned there being in jail, and you said you'd always wake up and think, you know, framed again. Here I am.
0: It's going to be the name of my book. <laughs> framed no, again. Framed again. <laughs>
1: and so, also while we're at it, you have a. There's a poster or, or a, a painting back behind you. It's a beautiful painting. Can you talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah. Uh, again, the viewership can't see it. There's a, a lovely young woman who got sober a few years ago and uh, wanted to just sort of bring out her creative juices and began to, to do paintings. And she came up with this theme and this of these uh, graphic, colorful, bursting, sort of simple themes. So this is just a peace sign. Mm -hmm. And uh, I loved it right away when I saw it. And uh, uh, when I asked her about it, she said, because no matter what's happening and what calamity and what uh, crisis and chaos can be happening on the outside. And if you you were seeing this painting, you can see that it's embossed. It's buried in the chaos. The peace is buried in the chaos. So we can have peace and, and serenity amongst all the chaos of life, no matter how explosive or how rigid or, and that's what the painting looks like. It looks very unorganized and chaotic, but right in the middle of it is is peace.
1: The and, big yeah, peace, sign. peace sign. I love, love that. that. It that's good. interesting. I yeah. I had an experience when I was probably 10, 15 years sober. Uh, I was uh, at, actually at a church once and I heard this particular Oh I I think it was an episcopal church if I'm not mistaken and I heard the 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 pastor or the priest wh- whatever they're called the the head guy there I really liked him and he talked about the fact that he had come to cuz people were asking him it was like a question and answer session and 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 he said uh he, people were asking him very difficult questions and he said that he had come to a place to where he had kind of peace with the chaos you know there's all this chaos around him but he didn't have to make sense of it all anymore and i remember that really resonated with me and that's what that painting reminds me of
0: yeah i think it's the true testament to our level of of serenity sobriety it's it is if stuff can be happening around you you just stay level stay cool i think that's what it's all about because stuff's gonna happen
1: you know now i gotta tell you every time you say the word about I I just I I, I'm in my head. I'm just I'm saying it over and over. But I but I promise I'll just do it once, and then I won't I won't say it again throughout your entire episode. (laughs) All right, so. Last time, basically, last time we got together, we kind of talked about it before you got sober, after you got sober. You know, it's kind of Marty Part One, Marty Part Two. But this time, I wanted to uh, have you back, and we're just going to kind of wing it. But but my my intent here is to to have a conversation with you about steps one, two, and three. Uh, Sometimes we do this and we don't get to one, we don't get past one. Sometimes we do this and we're into four and five or whatever. But I I just want to have a quick, or or I want to have a conversation with you about kind of like how, what you would either say during like a workshop or a talk around one, two, and three, or kind of a a combination of that. And if if you were taking a sponsee through steps one, two, and three, what sort of uh, guidance you would give that individual? So let's go ahead and start with step one. Mm-hmm. Step one: uh, We admitted we we're powerless over alcohol, and that our lives have become unmanageable. What are your thoughts?
0: So you just yeah you you read the you read the step off the wall, and if you go to any Alcoholics Anonymous meeting and and you were wondering what the first step was, that's what you would see in the wall. That we admitted we were that was step one. We admitted we were powerless over alcohol. Dash so that our lives have become unmanageable. Now, that's just, there's absolutely no way of, of, of refuting that or having any difficulty with that. W- where I'm thinking uh, this really makes makes sense, John, or, or, or falls off of making sense is when people first come in and, and you're, you're, you're in Alcoholics Anonymous as a result of a referral or doctor or family's asked, you know, you just, you walk into your first day meet, and you see that what can often happen is you start immediately your your immediate in, intake of information reads that step, your alcoholism reads that step. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you walk in sick and, you, and your alcoholism is going to read that step and make it about drinking. See what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm. I and it's
0: a very and it's a very interesting thing because you don't have to be here very long to find out that it's not about drinking but only if you actually take the rest of the steps. So I'm pretty I'm pretty sort of stingy around this stuff, around step one, because I believe that powerlessness is the only issue in AA. It's the only one. And no matter what happens in your life, whether it's your financial disparity, relationship difficulties, or, or, or sickness and, and poor health or sick children, the only issue in, in recovery is, is powerlessness. You either are or you aren't. And only the powerless... Will seek power, with any sort of regard. Only the powerless will seek power. If you have just a little bit of powerlessness, <laughs> which, I don't, which I don't know how that works, uh, that's about how much power you're gonna you're gonna seek. And you know Bob Darrell and other people say you're gonna go to the ocean with a thimble, right? That's what you're gonna. Mark Houston used to say you're gonna go to the ocean with a thimble. That's what you're gonna come out with. Well, here is desperation, sort of brings people to its knees. And, the pow- and, and, and understanding that, that we have a description in our literature, and, and when you're talking about bringing the message to a new person or, or sitting one-on-one with a new sponsee, this is the information that they have to have. And it's information. It's not experience. It's the experience of others. So they have to get that information via the doctor's opinion and perhaps the first eight pages of Bill's story. They have to get that information from that about powerlessness. And the question for them is I either am or I'm not. Can I hold my own experience up this and say, oh man, that's me. Alcoholism of of, of the type that we're describing here in Alcoholics Anonymous is that I can't stop when I start and I can't stop starting. Those are the only two uh, qualifiers and criteria for admission to end game alcoholism in AA. That's it. You can come into Alcoholics Anonymous and stay here with a drinking problem forever. But to qualify as an alcoholic, especially if I'm going to work with you, the answer to those two questions has to be, can I stop when I start? No. No, I have a very difficult time stopping when I start. Can I stop starting? No. I've made tons of resolutions and promises not to, and I always start again. Welcome to Alcoholics Anonymous, my brother. We'll never <laughs> talk about how much. We'll never talk about what you drank. We'll never talk about any of that stuff. Right there, powerlessness is the only issue. And if I can keep you there in that framework, in that mindset that of yourself, You got no, no, no chance with this. Then you will always be inclined to move further into the process. You won't be able to stay there.
1: Okay. So I want to bring up something in this just mainly because it was a personal experience for me. And um, I, I could tell people that I was an alcoholic. But I had a really, it would stuck in my craw when it came to saying I was powerless over alcohol. And I don't know why, but there was something inside of me that just would not let me say I was powerless, but I could say I was an alcoholic. Do you run across that very much?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and what a distinction, John, and what a wonderful distinction because- My experience, as I had outlined before, before, you know, when I first came to recover for 14 years, nobody qualified me as an alcoholic. I was left to it on my own, walked into an AA meeting and you said you were alcoholic and I was sitting right beside you. And I, so I said, I'm an alcoholic. My name's Marty. And I began to say that every single day of every single week of every single month for the rest of my sobriety for 14 years. I said that I thought that alcohol is alcoholism and, and what we're talking about here was about not drinking. And that every meeting that I went to was sort of based on the fact that we're going to talk about how not to drink, not drinking. We never talked about a spiritual malady, we never talked about those things. So why would we? It's not necessary in this sort of uh that meeting based sobriety or that sort of mindset that and I I inside and there's something huge missing. Something something massive missing. Why we drink is so much more important than if we drank. <laughs> it's like, there's, it's not, a, and I'm not talking about the the, the calamity in life. You were abused when you were a child or all. It's not about that. I'm talking about in our whole, in our souls, like in our souls, what did alcohol do for us that nothing else could? And, and that in law is the problem. So when we talk about unmanageability, that's what we're talking about so i'm powerless over alcohol substance alcohol put it in my system when i start i can't stop and i can't stop starting i will always go back to it because without it i am restless irritable and discontent so my problem is really sobriety it's not drinking you know (laughs) but we're not but we're not talking about that at meetings At meetings we're talking about how to avoid the drink when some of us needed to avoid the sobriety because i've got friends who committed suicide stone cold sober and because they couldn't do it another damn day they just couldn't stay sober another day and uh they check out, it's, you know, now if they'd had a few drinks, they might still be with us. They might still be with us, you know, and, uh, because drinking relieves us of alcoholism. It's one of the solutions that we have. It just has some really shitty side. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. You're fine. Can you beep that out? It has, <laughs> it has some really crappy side effects for me. Drinking had some terrible side effects. And uh, it wasn't just the sickness. You know, I was listening to Chris talk yesterday, the day before. And I I used to always say, if you had hangovers like me, man, you'd never drink. Well, I realized that medically, as I studied a little further, is that I I was actually suffering alcohol poisoning 90% of the time when I would drink. I drank so much and I had such a bad constitution for alcohol and and what it was doing to my system. And my body was poisoning me. It wasn't a hangover. It wasn't like people describe a hangover. You know, I was poisoned over and over and over again. And the interesting thing is I would pour more alcohol on top of that. Poison until I became, you know, and it's only 15% of the population ends up with DTs and, 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 you know, and, and that was me, you know, so I'm seeing things and I'm having experiences in in withdrawal that are near death experiences. And, uh, it's because of the poisoning. So anyway, back to this thing about this first step is like, when I meet somebody new, brand spanking new, I see somebody meeting, I don't recognize them. I approach them. And I say, hey, welcome. Welcome to the meeting, buddy. How are you? You know, are you just coming around? Oh, no, I've been around for 20 years. Oh, welcome, man. There's bad coffee over there. The clean washrooms are over there. This is a great group. Welcome. We'll talk to you in a bit. And then I go (laughs) looking for the other face I don't recognize. And every once in a while, I come up and say, yeah, yeah, this is my first meeting. I said, whoa, whoa, welcome. My name's Marty. You know, we got a thing here. Uh. Uh, introduce you to a few guys. This is, you know, in order to, you know, stick around here for a little while, it's probably helpful that you have a sponsor. Uh, You know, that's just the person that will just show you around and explain a few things to you. And, uh, you know, I can do that for you. And and here's my number. Give me your number. And then the first thing you know, we're meeting the next day or something. And I'm going to qualify them. I'm going to qualify them. Now, in the first step, all they have to do for me in the first step is answer those questions. The unmanageability of their life, is this an acceptance? Like, do you understand that the, the manageability of your life is over?
1: <laughs> okay. You- so let's go through the yeah. questions again, because I'm, I'm assuming there are going to be people taking notes on this, but hold on. Let me, let me do a little break here first. We will be continuing our conversation with Marty C in just a moment. Just a reminder, you are listening to SoberSpeed. You can find us on the World Wide web at www.com. Uh, SoberSpeak.com You can also find the donate button on our website You can use if and only if the spirit moves you Please keep in mind This is a podcast funded by you the listener So you got a new guy Right and you got those two questions The questions are once again Can't uh, go over those can't start when I stop Right
0: can't stop when I start
1: Can't stop when I start
0: And can't stop starting
1: And I can't stop starting Yeah Gotcha. So you ask those questions. So anybody out there listening at home, right, or listening in your car or whatever, uh, if you're new into this and you're trying to qualify somebody maybe that you were working with, those are the two questions. And Marty's getting that from text that comes directly out of the big book.
0: Yeah. And for 14 years, and I want to make this really clear, for 14 years, only because of groupthink and culture, nobody ever asked me, if I knew what it meant to be alcoholic, they assumed I knew because I was a drinker of troublesome proportions and I showed up at your tables. So when I sat there, they'd say, are You and even some guys would even say, Hey, you alcoholic? And I'd say, Well, I was yesterday at the meeting no, I was at yesterday. <laughs> like you, you asked me then too. And I said, Yep, I'm alcoholic. And I only said it because John said it. That's the only reason. If you didn't start your meetings that way, I would have never probably said those words either, John. And now, when you push into this powerlessness issue, that's what Mark Houston did on my knees in the hotel room that day. He changed the he changed the stake in the game totally. So when I meet someone new, we don't wait. I'm not going to wait 14 years to get the powerlessness. The question is, can you stop when you start, and can you stop starting? And most people will say, that mo- when they're when they're hurting, they will answer that question very truthfully. You know, no, I I've sworn off a lot. I said well what do you they'll often say about the second part. They'll say yeah, it's, well, first part, they'll say, yeah, it's hard for me to stop when I start. I've done it a few times. I remember back in 1974, <laughs> they refer to the one date 34 years ago that they were able, and they had a good time, and there were no police that refer to that date. And, uh, and then I, and I laugh. I laugh, just like you laugh, and they laugh. Mm-hmm. And I point it out. It says, okay, it's like, this is important. And now that, that's a drinking problem. If you can't stop when you start, that's a drinking problem. The next question is, can you stay stopped? Have you ever sworn off? Well, yeah, many times I've gone to detox, I've been in treatment centers, I've lost a marriage because of drinking. I had another marriage that's on the rocks right now. She's begging me to stop. I want to stop, but I can't. Welcome to AA. You know, you always start again. And the thing is, is that this is against, you have to understand that this is against your will. You just said you want to stop. You just can't stop. You know, I've always said Alcoholics Anonymous isn't for people who need it. You know, there's lots of people. My old man needed AA. He never got here. Alcoholics Anonymous isn't for people who want it. People will say that a lot. Old timers will say that a lot. You, you got to want it. It's not. I got people in the grave in the last. We lost eight people in the last two years. Like I got people in the grave who wanted to be sober. So it ain't about wanting it. It ain't about needing it. It's about doing it. That's the only other thing. It's like, it's not about needing it, wanting it. It's about doing it. AA is about doing it. So when you get a person here and they're qualifying as powerless and needing power, that's where we go. That first step experience has to be very, very powerful. I don't know if you need to stay with it for very long. When I say that, I mean like a couple of days, a couple of weeks. I think that what has to happen, there has to be an acknowledgement when the person is desperate. 12 and 12 says, none but the most desperate can swallow this unpalatable truth. And what's the truth? That I can't stop when I start, and I can't stop starting of my own. I can't do it. That's the unpalatable truth. I have no power. And this is what you were saying when it was like, yeah, I had no problem saying I was alcoholic. It was almost chic nowadays (laughs) to say, but I can't say I'm powerless. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's you know that's a whole different frontier. I'll talk a little bit more about that in step two, but it's like this this powerlessness is the only issue. We got no beginning without some acknowledgement of powerlessness. No beginning.
1: Okay. So, by the way, I do want to say uh, you brought up. Uh, I, I I used to say that I remember that time from three <laughs> years ago. When I had a hundred and four degree fever, and and I did not drink that day, Uh, and that was kind of my, you know, I hung on to that for a long time, and that's isn't that crazy how we do. Um, But say you're working with somebody, say you're working with a guy like me. And, and I, and, and by the way, I, I don't think I really didn't verbalize this, but inside my head, I basically knew I was having a hard time with this word powerless, right? It just seemed a little overbearing to me, a little, a little extreme, if you will. I thought you guys were, you know, come on, you know, powerless. Uh, so say you're working with a guy like me, though, and and I and I can't completely answer yes to both of those questions. And I think I would, you know, I, I'm thinking about what I would do, but what, 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 what do you do at that point?
0: Well, it's interesting how the, how, how the, the, the sort of response to those questions changes with, with a little bit of time, John, you know, like it's funny because you, even you saying and it's like, it's, it's, we're four words into the program. We admitted we were powerless. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, hold on. Whoa, 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 <laughs> time out. What are we talking about here? Right. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. And I never thought about that till you were actually describing it. But when... Uh, when a guy struggles with the answers, I never, ever put words in their mouth. You know, we got a strict way of dealing with with newcomers from working with others. And that's one of the things that wards against is do not put words in their mouth. It has to be their experience. If I meet a guy on day one, day two, although he might be a little bit cloudy, almost always it's, it's yeah, yeah, I need this. You know, I, I have no, I'm powerless. I get it. If I meet a guy after a few nights sleep and a couple cheeseburgers, <laughs> it's, like, it's like, well, hold on a second. What exactly do you mean by powerless? I meet a guy a month not drinking, like he's been in the detox for a month. And I try to carry this first step message into him. He goes, what are you talking about? I got this. I, po- I'm not powerless. I haven't had a drink in 30 days. That's where, that's where the ego rebuilds so quick. That's what Dr. Harry Thibault was talking about. It comes back very quickly. And it tells us in our literature that our window of opportunity is small. So telling a guy who's been around here, for example, for seven years and running him through the steps and who's never had this experience, who's never had a 12-step experience, and you get him on that first step, it's a struggle. Mm -hmm. no way he's got an ego-driven life he's got a self-driven life it's been reasonably successful he's gone through a lot of crap and all that kind of stuff but he sees that that is just fate and life he's not drinking damn it didn't have a drink today so that's a good day but he's not there's no spiritual connection there's no need for it and that's why i say that powerlessness is what drives the need for power nothing else it's not like you come here and have some moderate success at not drinking and the shit starts I'm sorry. I did it again. And the crap stops hitting the fan. All of a sudden you start settling into your life because people around you are better. You know, you know what it says in our book? It says jobs better, works better, fun. You know, it says, Hey, what's the problem? What's the big deal? That's what our book says. You get a couple of weeks, couple of months, everything starts to improve. What, 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 What do I have to do? Right? So there's no the, the, getting a person to, to get back to powerlessness is much harder than when somebody comes right in, in broken down and smashed, you know, and when we, the state of reasonableness, they've been just, have been placed in this, this position, right?
1: Okay. First of all, I can already tell you, we're not going to get out of step one, right? Which I'm <laughs> fine with. Uh, I have a lot of people who write in and ask me to kind of go, deeper if you will into the steps and that's their their favorite part of what they uh why they listen to these episodes okay so okay so we've kind of went over the 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 first part of the first step right uh we admitted we're powerless over alcohol yeah. and then there's the other part as you know and that is a dash i believe if i'm not mistaken and it says mm-hmm. that our lives had become unmanageable now once again here's the point where this alcoholic I had to go through, I had to write everything down in step four and able to, I, I know they say you're supposed to do the first step a hundred percent on the front end. And that's the one you have to do. But uh, for me, I got busy with the process. And after I got through that four step and I was looking at it, I was like, this is, this is nuts, man. Look at what you, it's the first time that it kind of came true for me that uh, uh, my life was unmanageable. But as you know, People struggle with, once again, that word, they think, Hey, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing okay. I've had this fate issue. Right. So talk about uh, the, the second part that our lives have become unmanageable.
0: The reason it's, and I think the reason that it's 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 sort of tied into the first step around powerlessness is that, is that it's always our plans that are going to come up against our drinking and our alcoholism. It's always going to be our plans, our thoughts, our ideas. It doesn't matter whether it's joining a new group, changing towns, getting a sponsor. You know, it can go right from changing brands to changing it, whatever it is. It's always our plans are going to address this drinking problem, right? So we get in this first thing. It says what it should, I'm not going to change the big book, but saying that it, we're powerless over the first drink is, is probably more beneficial, I think, and accurate than saying that we're powerless over alcohol. And so we're powerless over the first drink. Hmm. Then it says, dash, that our lives have become unmanageable. And it's talking about becoming unmanageable. And I don't mean, uh, um, um, like, they don't mean necessarily while you are drinking or as a result of the drinking. Our life was generated we come out of the womb uh with with this idea of neediness and and then through our lives we develop this way of being and we get the answers to all of our problems we begin to employ those techniques to get it what it is we want and then we hit this wall through alcoholism as being the managers of our life and it's be beca- it had become unmanageable because everything was gone to hell and we weren't in any control whatsoever now the, this is this is a bit a bit out there, but if you, like if, if, if the idea sometimes is to dive a little bit deeper, I want this concept to be heard. If you come into Alcoholics Anonymous thinking you have alcoholism, you are going to struggle for your entire sobriety. Just think about that. If you come into Alcoholics Anonymous knowing that alcoholism has you, you will succeed in recovery. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not, and this comes right out of the first step, it's managing me. Alcohol is managing me. I am not managing it. So this is why I was saying to you, when I come in as a newcomer and I look at the first step on the wall, right away, my ego, my alcoholism says, this is about not drinking. This is about drinking. You need to not drink. And then begins to unravel, you know, so you get these weeks and months and stuff like that. And 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 the, the desire to drink is never really addressed or left. The obsession is constantly there, uh, but you're not drinking and you're hanging in there. You and your ego are doing a great job. You know, you're just not drinking. Hey, Marty, what are you up to this weekend? I don't know, man, but I'm not drinking. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but it's sure not drinking. I don't <laughs> drink anymore, right up till I drink. And this thing about... Planning the drink, and all. I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that that's end stage alcoholism. I believe alcoholism is when it comes out of nowhere, the end of a perfect day. That's what I believe. Or having a sandwich with some freaking milk and throwing some whiskey in it. I mean, I think that's what <laughs> that's how it looks up. It's like one day I'm okay, and the next day I'm not. Bill's at the bar telling the guy what, what a, a, a crap storm his life has been as a result of drinking for an hour telling the guy and then says, give me a whiskey. And the guy says, P- what? And he says, after what you just told me? And he has his third beer, his third drink, and he's banging on the bar wondering how this happened again. So so there's that piece to it, right? So this unmanageability piece comes into, into none but the most desperate. If you're desperate and, and, and you accept the context of powerlessness, the unmanageability piece is is just, it's just a sort of, my life is unmanageable by me. If I could add two more little words at the end of it, it would be by me.
1: My ah, life had become yeah.
0: unmanageable by, un, by me. Because that, again, that drives it into the second step. It, it almost literally drives it into the step. By language alone, you could go dot, 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 right into the, came to believe that a power, you know? So it's like, there's no, there's no place to sort of rest there.
1: Um, yeah, I've never thought about that before, like adding those two, But that is the intent of the yeah. step, right? Is, you know, it's not my life is unmanageable by me. And I've made a wreck of it up to this point on many different levels. And I have to come to some realization, which is weird because people struggle with that, even though AA is like the last stop on the block, you know, and and they're in there. Uh, I was in there, and but I was still struggling, struggling with unmanageability, which is so weird.
0: Yeah. And almost every person that tells you the story about getting sober, if they look at it and they just sort of, they just look at it from, from incident to incident, event to event, day to day, moment to moment, if they look at their early sobriety like that, they will recognize that in the moments where they were either given some direction and took it, things went reasonably well. And when they... We're given some information and didn't take it, things went reasonably unwell. And so, and then sometimes it doesn't have to be right off the page. You can just go back to your early sobriety and say, because every good story from the front of the room is always about that guy who's, who met this other old geezer who looked at him and said, shut up, dummy, or, Hey, do this, do that. You know, go to the meeting. Uh, oh, well, shake hands, clean up ashtrays. And, and you're like, ashtrays, I don't even smoke. <laughs> it's like I'm not doing that, and then you go and you find yourself cleaning <laughs> ashtrays, and you're like cursing the whole time. And it's like that's that's different management. You have fallen under the auspices of other management, and it can be a monkey giving, giving, giving you the management, and and something profoundly spiritual begins to happen. You know, I don't know if Ebby knew what he was saying to Bill at the table that day when he introduced sort of the concept of of, of a power you know, uh, that made Bill sort of recoil. But if you recall the story of Bill's own story, when he was in the hospital bed, his final debauch, he's, he's in the hospital bed, Abby came to the door and was looking at him and, and he said, how you doing, buddy? And he said, uh, I'm licked my old friend. I'm really licked this time. That's what Bill said to him. That's step one. And Abby said, well, remember we were having that conversation at the table that day. He said, I don't know if there's something, man, but I got to have something. I got to have something. And Abby went closer to the bed and got beside him and said, would you say a prayer with me? And it was very, very similar to the third step prayer. And they said that prayer. And Abby then said, now, listen, man, you got to you gotta be right with your derelictions. You've, it was, that's the term you use, derelictions. You got to write them down. And he handed Bill a small scrap of paper and a pen, and Bill started writing, but he was so sick, he couldn't. And he handed him back the paper and said, please, you write it. And so Bill just went on and said a few things, and he wrote them down on paper. And uh, and then Abby said, "Yeah, he's, all you need to do is ask God to take those things. And if you read the story, it was that night after 6 and 7 that Bill had his profound spiritual experience. It was that mm-hmm. night. So it wasn't at step one. It wasn't at step two. It wasn't on the third step. It wasn't after he did inventory. It wasn't after he shared that with somebody. He took the steps in a matter of minutes theoretically, theoretically. And this is when, this is why I, my old buddy Ray and I talk about this a lot about how this book was written. We have to recall and remember that it was in hindsight. So somebody asked Bill four years later, well, what happened in the hospital that day, man? Bill didn't Bill told the story without saying, well, this was step one and this was step two and this, but you look back at it and you go, oh my God, oh my God, here are the steps we took. This is precisely how we recovered. Here are the steps. (laughs) It was like, boom, boom, boom. And Bill had no interest in that first step, none. Although many times he had approached the need for taking that first step, he had no interest in it until he was absolutely beaten, until he was whooped. And he used the term "really licked." I like right. that term, "really licked." And then he was really. open to anything, <laughs> you
1: know? right? So w- while we're on the the first step, I kind of you know uh, sometimes we uh, I- I'll skip over this, but uh, the 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 doctor's opinion is in there, right? In in the first part of the big book, as you know, uh, with all the Roman numerals. So talk to me a little bit about the the doctor's opinion your thoughts on it and you know kind of how you uh explain it to others if you will
0: well again i think you have to read that and uh um if you're taking somebody, i got one sponsor i got a sponsee who's got three illiterate sponsees and he takes them down in his truck down to the waterfront here in the city and line by line like literally reads one line by one line i am absolutely blown away and these guys are staying sober like they're going through this material at a fairly slow pace and stuff, but they're staying sober. When I look at the doctor's opinion in and of itself, I think of the, the majesty in it. Like I think of how this guy really came to know Bill, his in, in and outs, in and outs, in and outs. And then all of our founders, you know, had somehow had some relationship or touch base with him at some point. And he was able to assess something magnificent happening to us. But only once the guys started to come back and carry this message. He had been on the front lines for all of those years and, and you know it was considered hopeless working with these guys. How can it be frustrating for everybody? The families are devastated and it's like tough. Try to get out there in the front lines with us and see what it looks like. And he said, but I'm reminded of a certain guy. And he starts talking about Fitzmael locked up in the barn. He starts talking about that guy. And he says, when I see him, I can hardly recognize him. So what I say to people when I'm talking about that doctor's opinion, I'm talking, you're sitting here today, you know, on January the 29th and you think, you know, what's what like you, you have an assessment of your life and about the world and about where things are and you need to go and your family and your children. And you think, you know, these things, that's, what's killing you. So what happens here is that this guy, this doctor saw this guy and then saw him later and it didn't even recognize him. you are going to have a massive transformation. You are going to have an incredible change as a result of getting out of the way, as a result of the admission of powerlessness. Understanding the drinking is important, it's vital. However, and then it says any anything that leaves out the physical is gonna be it's gonna be problematic. You have to understand what alcohol is doing to your body. And then we go through this and we see that you know we have this aller- allergic reaction, this phenomenon of craving. And and that's why you can't stop when you start. You think you're just changing your mind. Which is which we we I still today I think, Yeah, isn't it funny how the ego got us like that? You know? I'm not drinking today, I'm not drinking today, I'm not drinking today, I'm not drinking today. Well, maybe I'll have one. I only have one, I'll only have one, I'll only have one, and so you know, I'll have another. Well, I've got two under me already. I might as well stop tomorrow. I'm going to you do know, an And I'm ordering wings. And then Buddy walks in. And then uh, you end up in a chat with him for a couple hours. And then he says, hey, why don't we go out and do this caper? And I go out and do it. And then I'm up all night. And then two days roll for three. And I lose that job. And whoever was waiting for me to come home. And it's like a bang on the bar and say, how did that start again? This is the interesting thing. That, and listeners, please, you, don't, you never, ever take that first drink under the influence of alcohol. Never, you're taking the first drink under the influence of alcoholism, and that's why you have to distinguish whether you have a drinking problem or a sobriety problem. I can't not drink, and that's my problem. It isn't alcohol, alcohol saved me from dying of alcoholism. You ever hear, I love Craig, it. You, you ever hear Craig do that? You ever hear Craig F do that talk?
1: Uh, no, I haven't. I don't think I know Craig F.
0: Well. Uh, not, I won't blow his anonymity, but he's a Scottish comedian. <laughs> 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 I think you know what dog. He to do a late night show. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So Craig talks about it. He says, "I'm on my way." He says, "You know," he says, "I've had it." He says, "I've done comedy shows my whole life," and he says, "I can't remember anything. I, I have no idea what I'm in blackouts all the time. I, I, I don't want to live anymore." So he says, "I'm been living in this little." trashy apartment above this pub where i'm drinking and he says that's it i'm gonna kill myself i'm gonna go down to the london bridge and do a swan dive off the london bridge i don't know how to do a swan dive but i figured i'd figure it out and he says i'm leaving and old earl's out there sweeping the walkway and he says where are you going where are you going craig he says i'm going back to scotland and he says no stay why don't you stay here have a have a sherry with me before you go he said no no i gotta go come on and have a sherry he says i went in and had a sherry and forgot to kill myself do you remember hearing that story?
1: Oh god.
0: <laughs> I forgot no. to kill myself. And any no. alcoholic, any alcoholic who had that on them, that beast on them about wanting to when you're so when you're when you're sober, man, it's not easy living. It's yeah. not easy living. You can put your best foot forward and be a man amongst men and all, but inside, restless, irritable disconsent doesn't even describe it mania and sadness and I'm sensitive to everything that happens in this world and 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 I've got people around me that expect things I mean, I'm constantly filled with shame and guilt and remorse. That's how I am sober. I go mm. in and I have a couple of drinks. I forget about all that. It's okay. Yeah. What the hell? Eat drink right. and be merry for tomorrow we might be gone. You know <laughs> and, and, and when he when Craig told that story, I was on the ground laughing and then I stopped right in the middle of it and thought, oh my God Alcohol treats our alcoholism. It does. It treats our alcoholism. It makes it okay. I remember many days being wound right up, right up. And I have a couple of drinks in that night and not even remember what took place that morning. Right. You know, which our book, again, our book tells us that, right? It, so understanding that condition uh, via the doctor's opinion, and I think sitting down, like if you get, if you get, so I, I take people through the steps. You, I might've said that in my last talk. I'm not a big book guy. I don't take people through the book. I take people through the steps. I use the book. I know the book and I refer to the book and I ask that they read the book, but I don't take them through the book. I don't sit and read the book with them.
1: You know? Okay. So. Let's wrap up step one. So when you think about step one, uh, some of the major components, um, however you want to summarize it and the message that you want to leave the folks who are listening to this episode with.
0: I think qualification is huge, your own and and anybody you're working with. And to be honest with you, John, anytime I do any of this stuff and it doesn't workshops or, or any of this stuff, uh, Q, uh, Q and A's. It, the intent is always to arm people with good, good strategies, techniques, and, and to employ while they're working with others. And if we get consistent about the message, then we'll all know what we're talking about. We'll all be talking about the same thing. It's not like a cult or groupthink or anything like that. It's really about let's just stick to the to, with some fidelity to the literature and see where this goes. So the important thing in step one is the qualification. Can you stop when you start, and can you stop starting? If, if, if the answer is no to both of those things, powerlessness then is the only issue for you. It's the only issue either or you aren't. You will not do ninth step amends if you're not powerless. Hear me what I'm saying. Your inventory will be slight if you're not powerless. You will not carry this message to other alcoholics if you're not powerless. You won't. And you can tell the powerless guys and gals in AA because they're hard at it. They're hard at those things. They're hard at inventory. They're hard at working with others. They're out there doing the making their amends, paying back the money. They're hard at it. You know, they might be praying. They might be meditating. But they're doing all of those things for sure. You see what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So and so that's that's what I want. You know, this powerlessness is the only issue. And the manageability, I mean, this is, this is just an absolute segue into step two. You, it's, your life is unmanageable by you. You're done. And you can't leave somebody – the thing about that, John, is you can't leave somebody sitting on that first step. That's what I – if you're taking somebody through this first step, there's no reason why you can't engage in a conversation about the second step immediately.
1: Well, that's a great segue because as soon as I hit stop on this recording – we're going to uh, get our calendars out and we're going to get you back on to talk about step two. Are you good with that?
0: Absolutely, buddy. Absolutely. I, I, I'd love, I love, I love what you're doing here. I, I think you just, and you drive it well, you drive it from a really clean perspective. So.
1: Oh, you're sweet. I appreciate that, Marty. Uh, you know, and for me, uh, there, it just brings so, so much to my life. I mean, I probably would have not Met you if I hadn't been doing this podcast yeah, right now. And I get to meet some real pillars in Alcoholics Anonymous. I consider you one of them. Uh, thanks, and, you know, you're a, a great guy. As you know, we have a mutual friend, uh, Charlie, um, and he's one as well. And so, anyway, I, 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 it's just been a wonderful experience, and I appreciate your kind words.
0: Yeah, thanks, John. Thanks. Appreciate it.
1: Okay, I'm going to read page 164 from the book to, to, to close this out. It says, Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to Him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find to join us and we shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit and you will surely meet some of us like me and marty c as you trudge the he's got his fist up in the air (laughs) Uh, as you trudge the road of happy destiny may god bless you and keep you until then marty we'll spend a few minutes after this but once again thank you so much
0: i appreciate it man
1: As always, Mr. Marty C, thank you one more time. We're going to get Marty scheduled back in here for uh, some follow-up episodes or episode. I don't know. I know he's coming back on to record at some point, but uh, um, we will all look forward to that. If you would, please take a moment to pause your device to share this episode with a friend or family member. Remember, it may be just what they need today. Now, a little bit of a listener feedback for Ewan's. Steve writes in, Steve R. He says, John, today I celebrate three years of sobriety. I started today, I started the day with a small donation to Sober Speak. I appreciate it, Steve. Not necessary, but I appreciate it. This podcast has been a great help for me especially when i was on the road for work for a few weeks in my first year of sobriety i've listened to this podcast in malaysia india the philippines the netherlands and more at some critical times, it has really been my, quote, meeting between meetings. Thanks for all the great work you put into this service. All the best, Steve. God bless you, Steve. Congratulations on your three years of sobriety. And thanks for letting me and the guests to come on this thing. Um, thanks for letting us be a small part of your journey so much and you really have a journey (laughs) like a physical journey Malaysia India Philippines Netherlands you're going all over the place my friend but anyway thank you again Steve appreciate you Keith writes in and he says this is Keith R he says absolutely love Earl H his story helped save me and he's talking about Episodes number 235 and 236 with Earl H. The first one, 235, is called The Past Has Tremendous Value. And then the second one, 236, this is one of my favorite quotes from uh, uh, all the episodes. And it's... a. Uh, The name of the episode is He Used It All Up. And basically that is Earl H. saying that's what he wants on his tombstone for it to be read. He, Earl, used it all up. All that lies here is the husk. (laughs) of Earl H. I absolutely love that one. But anyway, getting back to Keith, he said uh, uh, his story helped to save me a little over a year ago now. Now I have sponsees. There's that term, sponsees again. I listen to his story and I can see what can happen to any of us. He truly has given us the message of hope. Thank you. And he's kind of, directing this now toward Earl. And I I sent the message on to Earl. He says, thank you from the bottom of my heart, Earl. And by the way, if you want to get a message to any of the speakers, just go ahead and send it to me, John, J-O-H-N at SoberSpeak.com. I love to give feedback regarding the other speakers. It just makes my day. Thank you for writing in there, Keith. Appreciate it. And Eileen writes in and she says, hi, John, I live in Massachusetts very close to Cape Cod I found your podcast randomly seeking AA information I've been hooked on your podcast now for the past 16 months thanks for all you do well Eileen I'm glad you got hooked on our podcast and I'm glad that we have been able to be of some service to you have fun out there in Cape Cod. Anyway, that, ladies and gentlemen, is listener feedback for the week. Hopefully, I will be back next week. We always take this one step at a time, one week at a time. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. And also, may God bless you and keep you until then. Enjoy your next week. Adios.